0: Cat. what's up man hey man how's it going uh it's going pretty good great mm-hmm. you sound Thank better
1: you. A, a little bit. bit better yeah i definitely feel a heck of a lot better but i still have some congestion mm-hmm. but you know mm-hmm. we we're just dude i'm not putting that in there because we're always talking about how sick we are just like a bunch of yeah we really like are old men from the muppets so i saw
0: i finally saw wakanda forever on disney okay, hold on before you say another word just don't okay. even tell me.
1: Because oh, i Oh, you seen haven't it seen yet, it yet? Man. man, I can't wait to talk. About oh it. man, I'm nervous, dude. You should be. Oh that's all no. I'm gonna say. That's it's all I'm gonna terrible. say. Never mind. Just tell me if it's terrible. Don't tell me what happens, just tell me if you liked it or not.
0: Um so Howdy, folks. Welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. A podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. So, how's your week been? I know you did a little traveling. Yeah, it's been a crazy week, uh, but I'm, you know,
1: grateful for the trip that I just took. Have a family member that's not doing so great, mm-hmm. uh, so went down to see him. And anyway, it was uh, it was a good trip. So got to spend awesome. some time with my brother and my dad, which just the three of us. It's kind of rare, you know. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Fridays, right. so it was it was amazing, man. Really you know what's cool. even more rare? Uh, me, me hanging out with my dad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good we can laugh about it. Uh, no, oh, all that man. to say, sorry, folks, for the. Later-than-usual episode, Mm -hmm. Woody got back super late. Yeah. And then I had, during the day, I had a like a three-hour parent-teacher conference. So, um, oh, and then on the way home from that, my wife, well, here's good news and bad news. The good news is, well, the bad news is she doesn't listen to the podcast, which makes me sad. Uh, But the good news is she doesn't listen to the podcast. So I can say that this has happened three times in the last, like, two months. She's just running out Mm -hmm. of gas. So I had to literally walk two miles, buy a gas tank from the gas station, which they rip you off because they know you have to have it man. for $16. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, so what you, you got to do is you got to keep an at. empty one. Now, I don't want you tank. I've already, a tried, tank. That. <clears throat> I've already well, tried that.
1: I've already tried that. we said have
0: an empty one in your car so you don't have to buy a new one is what I'm saying. No, no, no. I have one in my car. It's, it's her car. We rode together. Oh, I see. Yeah. And that's why I had to walk.
1: Yeah, man. That is a... Uh, it sucks. And when we go on a <clears throat> Valentine's double date dinner, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a, like a $5 gift card to like QT or something
0: and just put it in a card. <laughs> you and, definitely, uh, I think that you would be definitely. hilarious. Well, what sucks about it too uh, is like literally when this happens, it's not like, hey, thanks for walking two miles <laughs> to get gas for In me. the cold. It's, yeah, in the cold. It's after we've already sat in a parent-teacher conference for three hours when I like... I, I'm working on this project. It's not art related. It's like yeah. gr- boring graphic design stuff, but it's like, man, I'm just like, I, I need, I needed to be working because we're heading back. At, we're heading out of town this mm-hmm. week, but it's like every single time, it's like, well, uh, you know, most most husbands always fill up their wives' cars, and mm. it's like, well, let me
1: I, just tell you what I did just just so you have the data in case you ever need it in your back pocket mm-hmm. but this husband on the front end of my dating relationship really just grabbed my wife out like crazy because it happened once or twice with her and then it ended yeah, yeah. you understand mm-hmm. and i still great if i if it's like at a quarter tank mm-hmm. boy we sound like a bunch of old men dude Let, yeah you know do. what I want to dive into this weird, random pre-internet mystery that I found Ooh, okay. that I'm so glad you've never heard of it.
0: Yeah, dude, I, I, have, I have no
1: idea. This is one of those things, dude, that like I've been, I don't know, I think the, there's a lot to say negative about the internet, but there's a lot of positive stuff too. And sometimes random things will sort of pop up based on... Your interest. And because I'm always looking for random pre internet mysteries and just like weird stuff, Mm -hmm. this kind of came into my or popped up on my radar essentially. And I'm so happy, like I said, that you've never heard of this. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many listeners have either. So we're going to just dive in. After these messages, we'll be right back America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense
0: broad line. For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. This is Joshua Kutchen, and you're at my home for weirdness. That would be rad.
1: Nestled among historic war bunkers and serpentine subway systems lies a buried secret, a series of underground passageways intricately crafted but with no clear purpose. Who could have built such an enigma? Today, we're talking about the Mole Man of Hackney. All right, so this is about a man named William Little. And that's in case you're taking notes. At home, that's spelled (laughs) L-Y-T-T-L-E. William Little was born in 1931 in Donegal, Ireland. Now, not much is known about his early life, except that he studied at Queen's University in Belfast and afterwards worked as an electrical engineer for the Bristol Airplane Company at some point in the 1960s. It's thought that perhaps after the company ceased operations in 1966 that he relocated to London with his wife and young daughter they purchased an attached Victorian house in between the Dalston and Beauvoir areas of Hackney and lived there for the next four decades relatively quiet life on this uh, road called Mortimer Road again not much is known about this time or exactly when his wife and daughter disappeared without a trace from his life. However, William became more and more eccentric mm. and increasingly reclusive. His house and the outside of his property that once kind of just looked like if you see a picture of this, folks, and you go back and you try to dig, you're going to see what it kind of looked like towards the end. But initially, it looked pretty normal. Kind of a beautiful house, actually. And again, it's like a Victorian house. Really, really beautiful. But as time went on, the outside became more and more unkempt. And leftover carvings and weird pieces of stone would be just like out in the yard. Hmm. Electronic trash and like sort of derelict. um, Derelict. Almost like a No. (laughs) Like a junkyard? Yeah, kind of like a junkyard. You know, people started noticing like, you know, that's kind of an eyesore. You know, I I don't know about your neighborhood because in neighborhoods nowadays here in the U.S., most of the time there's some pretty strict regulations about what you can and can't have in your yard. But in an older neighborhood like my own even, we don't have a uh, homeowners association. So we can literally do whatever we want. We there's do, good. and it's the worst. It's there's good and bad, man. Because no, there's not, dude. That it's means such such some neighbor. Ripoff. It is a ripoff. <clears throat> some neighbor can kind of come in and have like a dang car just rusting in their front yard in my neighborhood. Whereas if that happened there, they would be
0: fined. Yeah, but if we want to change like our shutter yeah. color, like I'm talking like two, like one to two shades lighter or darker, yeah, we have to you go have to get a tire council. Yeah. Now let me t- let me tell you what's even worse than that. One of my friends from work.
1: Listen to how crazy this one is. Clayton, Clayton. They had to apply for approval to get an in to change the color of an interior room, dude. You can't wow. see it from the outside. You can't. Screw that. Yeah, no, right? No and way. So, I mean, <clears throat> anyway, so in some ways, I'm I'm thankful that I don't have that. But in others, you know, you don't really want all this junk out in the yards
0: because it makes your house look, you know. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of reflects on on your home <clears throat> as well. So, I mean, th- our neighbors directly next to us are doing renovations in their basement, and they did have, this is for you, Matt, if you're listening, they did have a giant, like, dumpster in their driveway for mm-hmm. months. I thought it was funny, and I'm actually really surprised that nobody, you know, the HOA didn't, like, come down. Well, uh, yeah,
1: no, but it's the junk dumpster for... We had one, too, when we were doing reno. Mm-hmm. It's actually mm-hmm. awesome, dude. You can put all kinds of crap in there anyway we're getting off off track here so essentially all this stuff started filling his yard and he started like the sides of the house he added some like odd shaped windows and he even rented out some of the rooms from of the house as well and rumors started to kind of like circulate that this guy william little was digging tunnels underneath his house and perhaps even further beyond just under his house. People even reported seeing him emerge out of manholes in the middle of the street. And he would, like, come up and sort of quietly nod at them and then just go about his business, man, as if nothing
0: weird had just happened. Hmm. Well, real quick, I'm sorry. I I just need some clarification. Yeah. So you're saying his wife and daughter like mysteriously went missing? or Nobody really knows where they went. So So they could have just like left
1: him. They could have just left because he started getting intense. They, and we'll get back to this in just a minute, but yeah, as far as the public knew, again, because he was so reclusive, he wasn't necessarily, he was not a social butterfly. He just kind of kept to himself and then sort of in the public eye, Started exhibiting this odd behavior, and I'm thinking that initially these rumors started because people, perhaps the young folks, typically like college age kids, that he would rent out rooms to. Because, by the way, this this house mm-hmm. was, had twenty rooms. Whoa! And it's so it was like massive house. Yeah, large, very, very large. Wow. What's What's funny is like. For the most part, again, he moved here in the late or mid to late 60s, and then just rumors would kind of circulate about the guy. Nobody really knew. Well, the first real reports of the the quote-unquote mole man and his tunnels kind of came to light in the 1980s. And that's part of the reason why I love this story, too, because it's pre-internet, it's 80s. Right, right. The residents of Hackney began to report strange <laughs> noises and vibrations. Mm coming from beneath the streets they began complaining to like the city council that they feared that their homes were no longer going to be like structurally sound because to them it's like man if this guy's digging underneath our house or underneath our business what's to say this thing's not going to cave in well like sinkholes and stuff yeah exactly Mm -hmm. now initially like the authorities were kind of like okay, Miss William. you know, like, whoever was complaining, like, we don't think that's going on. So they would kind of, like, come to invest. They didn't really put a lot of weight into all this until, well, two things happened. One, William Little, in one of his sort of digging expeditions, accidentally hit a 450-volt power line, which sort of knocked the power out for, like, blocks and blocks and blocks, which, of course... Takes people off. Yeah. Even worse, there was this main road and it was like a super busy main road next to his property. And then in the middle of the day, it just like caved in. And it was an eight foot wide sinkhole, man. Oh, cracks all over the place. And then that was when the when the authorities came to investigate that like whoa what happened here dude that's when they discovered that they could see him from the road man tons and tons of (laughs) tunnel systems just like all this all over him yeah he's like oh no i don't think he was in there when it happened but they could see from the street now this like tunnel system whoa and so people began to kind of like you know of course this caused like a media frenzy Mm. they would interview the the neighbors and some neighbors you know the reaction kind of ranged from like just irate people like you know this guy's making art you know who knows what he's going to do some people would even jokingly say like who's to say this guy's not going to just pop up in my living room one day and just be like oh hello there Mm -hmm. and even he would kind of joke like when the press would you know ask him about it uh and they're the ones the press was the one the, the folks that coined the name the Hackney
0: Mole Man. So, so real quick, sorry. D- so, did the neighbors already have knowledge that he was doing this? They, they just kind of, like, heard rumors and stuff. Okay. And,
1: and so, basically, once they kind of, like, pressed him hard enough, he would kind of joke about, like, well, I'm maybe I'm making these tunnels to break into the bank across the street. You know, kind of joking. He was kind of weird. But come to find out, really... He started with wanting to build a
0: wine cellar. Now, again, this is a 20-room house. Mm-hmm. How about I just pick one of them? Well, I do kind of understand, like, the the subterranean, because sure. it keeps, you know, humidity and all that. hmm Like, you know. Sure,
1: yeah. No, no, no,
0: I, I get it. and uh, And it's kind
1: of cool, too. But this is what they kind of found as the authorities were like, what's going on here? the tunnels went in multiple different directions right from underneath his house or property i think it's over 10 separate directions from Ooh. underneath his property some over 20 feet deep and 60 feet long i also found a source that said that some of the tunnels even like went like miles and miles and miles are you kidding me and he just, you know, he's been doing this for 40 years, man. The tunnels were, like, seven feet tall. I was about to ask how big they are. Uh, six foot wide. They ran beneath homes, shops, the streets of Hackney. They were said to be, like, well-lit, equipped with electricity. He lived in there. Uh, they were multi-level. They, they were also multi-level. There was these staircases that he carved out of stone. Mm. He had all this, like... All the stuff that he kept above ground, essentially, was junk that, like, didn't work for the tunnels that he had down there. He had TVs, man, stereos. Listen to this. Also, they found four, like, derelict cars down there. What? A boat, bathtubs, full furniture setups, a bookshelf that, like, was like it was his own little secret life as if, like, living this... I don't know, like a childhood dream where he could just live underground, not be bothered by anybody. Some of the bookshelves, they said, were filled with like Tarzan stories and, and reams and reams of dangling cables and wiring and all all kinds of stuff.
0: And well, so he's, I mean, I was going to say, I bet he was hated in the neighborhood because... Yeah. I mean, think once, about it, once it was like confirmed that that was what was going on. Yeah, yeah, dude. Well, but I mean, it did say that at some points it was like twenty feet deep. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I mean, if it's that deep, I mean, I would imagine that, like, I mean, I, you in know, some spots you, they said though that like the way that the wall was being held up was mm-hmm. like
1: old furniture.
0: Leaning up against the. Jeez. it reminds me of like Fantastic Mr. Fox, you know when. Yeah, right. Yeah, like the yeah. underground, and um, <clears throat> so you know after that sort of
1: cave in, essentially the city came in and said, you know, we're gonna shut off. So they basically sealed off the entrances from, essentially, his house, mm-hmm. and then, okay, so they poured in some concrete to to. Um, Sort of seal those off and seal him off from like being able to like go in them and like it was just sort of on their list of things to do later to kind of figure out you know how far they went and what they needed to do to to maintain safety for everybody else well in that time he kept messing around in there man and he eventually got evicted multiple times from the property finally they evicted him and in june 2010 he died he passed away at the age of 79 he was buried in his family pl- plot in donegal ireland and after his death they actually sealed off all the t- tunnels permanently and filled in um mm-hmm. like the areas with like concrete and stuff so that there would be no more cavens and stuff but all the stuff essentially that they found all the electronics and all that and you can see pictures of it and stuff, kind of came after the fact. And some folks have kind of said, going back to, here's the thing, nobody really had a chance to kind of ask him in depth, hey, why are you doing this, you know? Mm -hmm. There are a couple, like, I think he had an interview with, I forget the name of the London paper, where he basically just kind of said, look, you know, I, I started just wanting to make a wine cellar. And then that turned into, well, what if I had, like, a little, like...
0: What if I had a man cave? Yeah, exactly. And, dude, it's so
1: funny that we call it a man cave. As I'm, like, thinking about this, I'm like, I mean, that's not... Surely that's not where the phrase man cave came I mean, from, Maybe. Right? I mean, <laughs> so it's like he built I mean, all this stuff. And cave. I feel like, you know, some people do kind of wonder... Hey, did he murder his family and then hide them in there? Just kind of looking at the picture of this guy and just kind of like thinking about this. He actually more reminds me of someone, well, I mean, for lack of better comparison, kind of like us, man. We get like focused on something Mm -hmm. and it becomes like a hobby and then we just kind of like perfect that. Next thing you know, you got a room full of Dungeons & Dragons miniatures and foam that you're turning into, you know, dungeon tiles or whatever. Yeah, right. Um and so at the end of the day, nobody really knows why he dug them. Uh nobody knows, you know, any of that stuff. So I don't know. It's a it's a it's one of those fascinating, captivating mysteries that, like most fascinating, captivating mysteries, we just mm-hmm.
0: don't know the answer to. Man, I mean, I think that uh I mean I mean d- different in a lot of ways like I feel like the sort of like mystery surrounding it mm-hmm. um of like how he did it it doesn't sound like it was any sort of like special
1: like No not like um like Edward Lead Scalman, that's who you yeah. know yeah Yeah no I mean it, I think there were a lot of sort of like wow I can't believe he was able to do that like um, some really great Yeah I mean craftsmen. the tunnels look really cool Yeah and I mean I don't, is this some, it is somewhat of like a juvenile sort of wish to kind of have, I mean, cause like we joke about it all the time. Like, let's say Ann and I are sitting on the couch and we're just talking about something. We'll just be like the fun sort of thought exercise is like, what would you do if you won the Powerball or whatever? And you know, it's like billions, like hundreds of billions, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're like, I mean... The first, my first answer is like, that's easy, man. Tunnels out, tunnels under, you know, like, it's like <laughs> a, like secret rooms and escape. It's like, I want the Batcave.
0: Yeah, right. What, you know? Were you here when we had, like, the... I, th- I feel like we've just talked about this. Were you here when we had, like, the blizzard of 94? Yeah. They called it here in Georgia? Yeah. Uh, so we had this really crazy, you know, like, the most snow that we've, like, ever had here in Georgia. And I remember in my grandmother's backyard, there were, um, like, snow drifts. And me and my cousin and uh, another friend of ours, like, we start, we were like, yeah, let's, like, let's start making some tunnels. And, like, there is an element of, like, this, like, I don't know, it's like this, um, there's something in our DNA, especially as, like, like boys Mm -hmm. and, like, men, where once you kind of, like, get into this much like what you're talking about it's like we just started out being like hey let's let's make like a little let's dig like a little like igloo type thing mm-hmm. but i mean these drifts were huge i mean they were like four or five foot tall they were like the snow yeah. was massive and it became like a thing where like every single day we were going out there and like digging these tunnels yeah, it, it just kind of like takes hold of it's, you it's you
1: know? kind of like you know building a fort. you you you, you, you give you you allow access to a stack of wood whenever I was a kid. And I was like, mm-hmm. no problem, dude. We're going to build the best fort. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Of all time. And, you know, you might have splinters all over the place. I actually got one in the bottom of my foot because, like a dingus, I was standing on this fort barefoot as heck. And this, I mean, I'm talking like it was a shard of wood just in the bottom of my mm. foot. It was awful. But mm. anyway, yeah, that same kind of like thing. I mean, there's just something about, Building something and having like a secret fort in the woods that's mm-hmm. yours, you know, for what? I mean, you know, but who cares? Yeah. It's like there's just something that you gravitate toward uh for that. And I don't know if it's because we I swear we recently was it last week's episode where we kind of talked about like underground tunnels and stuff. And um Did we talk about it? I feel like we did. Something it was something about like how Oh yeah, yeah. The, oh. Cave, the cave systems and stuff that that exist in in Appalachia. the Toronto. Well, in 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 nor- in the North Georgia area too. Oh, like in the Appalachian mm-hmm. Mountains mm-hmm. type thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you hear about some of these places. We've kind of talked about it briefly. I think when we either you and I just kind of talking in general, but I, I swear we talked about it a little bit when we talked about the um, the mystery machine, um, the the mystery Coke machine.
0: Oh, yeah. What's it called? Well, there's like, I mean, that's fine because yeah. there's like multiple names. Uh, Hopefully in like... out, out in the
1: Pacific Northwest, I guess Seattle, yeah. Seattle, th- yeah. Th- there's, there's all these stories that that I remember hearing, like as a kid of the 80s, where like there's all these underground systems. And I mean, nowadays you hear about people living in the subway systems of New York that have been kind of closed off. And I remember there was also some show that I saw one time, it was like a documentary about these, um, and I forgot what they call them, tunnel people or something that that live out in Las Vegas, you know, like the homeless Mm. end up just like being out there and these folks like would go in these tunnels and and try to interview people. And it's kind of where, um, you know, folks missing people have been found there, but they're just like homeless and heroin addict, Mm -hmm. you know. And anyways, there's this vast, almost like network of, people living underground man it's yeah
0: not fiction you know it's scary dude i know in new york there's like a a big like group of of the population that like live in all those like sort of subterranean tunnels and sewers and stuff up there. yeah i once had the
1: statistic
0: <clears throat> of the amount
1: of abandoned tunnels subway tunnels in new york mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember what it is but it was like i couldn't believe it that's how much it was like miles yeah. and miles of, yep. of these tunnels I mean, yeah, just imagine it, I dude I I'd I be scared as heck down there man. Oh yeah, dude. Super scary. Yeah. But you see what I mean about this one man, it's kind of just weird. It's just sort of interesting. You know what no, I mean? It's awesome, man. That's great. I love that kind of stuff, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. Kind of want to go dig a tunnel, man. <laughs> I mean, should we? I mean, for real though. Be serious. if if you had a couple hundred billion dollars you're telling me that you wouldn't want like secret password what about like
0: a slide you just press a button next Mm. thing you know you're in your man cave so i know that we were only gonna run over that but i have a short little story that i think can possibly tie in with this and uh when we get back from the break we're gonna get into it we'll return after these messages pretty good cool place if you're a Martian,
1: or, or a vampire
0: i think you really know what's happening around here don't you anyone out there will we're fighters for truth justice and the american way hey this is woody and this is tyler and you're listening to that would be rad and now back to our show Okay, so my little story is one that um, I'd heard about like years and years and years ago, long before the podcast was even a, a twinkle in our eyes. Mm-hmm. And recently, my memory was refreshed. They, they briefly touched on this on uh, one of our favorite podcast, uh, Expanded Perspectives. Cool. So the story takes place in Southwest Ireland. Ooh. in the Bera I think I'm Bera Bara Peninsula okay yeah so basically the story goes there was a like a farmhand or a sheep herder type character who was walking down like a like a sheep trail basically you know basically where the animals yeah. would where they naturally would sort mm-hmm. of walk you know in, and this this takes place in eighteen thirty five so along this isolated trail he was sort of uh his attention was kind of taken a little on up into the trail because he was he was hearing the sound of what sounded like like a hammer hmm. and so As he continues on, he happens upon what looks to be like a... I mean, there's no other really way to say it, but a little man. Like a little tiny man. Mm. And he's sort of like fidgeting with something, you know, in his hands. And so it says as he got closer... This little character, this little man, was so startled by the, you know, the sheep herder's presence that he took off into the high grass. Um, and it was super quick, like lightning fast. Hmm. As he 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 begins to kind of go after him, but then realizes, like, no, this 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 little character's long gone. But one thing to note is in 1835, it was. It was a lot more sort of common for these people to believe in that. You know, much like uh, we've mentioned before, like in Ireland or in Iceland, it's something like 85% of the population believes, like wholeheartedly believes in it, like the elves mm. <laughs> uh, or the, the, the hinter folk, the hidden folk up there. And so, you know, in Ireland in the 1830s, that was a thing, you know, they would leave little—we've we talk, talked before—leave little offerings, little, mm-hmm. little thimbles of milk out on, you know, outside on the porch or whatever. So anyway, as he goes to continue on his way, you know, back on the trail, he happens to look down and realizes that this little character must have been a cobbler. Because there's a tiny two and a half inch shoe left behind.
1: Whoa.
0: He reaches down, he examines it. You know, two and a half inches, very, very narrow. He believed at the time that it was a it was like a, a true flesh and blood leprechaun. Yes. Yeah, which is amazing. So he would go on to take the shoe to a local physician. The doctor would end up turning it over to a prominent, like, Irish family, like, sort of in the community. They would hang on to it for a while and, you know, keep it under lock and key kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think this family still actually has it. They're called the Somervilles. Mm. And so in the late 1800s, there was an author and lecturer. Uh, named Dr. Edith Somerville. Uh, and she would take the shoe with her to the United States on a lecturing tour. One of the stops on the tour was Harvard University. And she, as she stopped in, she requested that, you know, people in like the, I don't know if it was like the lab or whatever, but she she asked that it be examined. And so all of the, you know, the biggest names in science you know, Harvard is such a prestigious school. They took a look at it. They did a, a bunch of testing. They would find out that the shoe was made of leather, and it was perfectly crafted with tiny, tiny little eyelet holes and a, a little bits of... It, it didn't have laces yet, but it's. they said that there were... Like eyelets um, or something for it? Well, there was like a little, like what looked like, almost like silk or like gossamer, but like hmm. some some material that they had never even seen before. Man. And it was like woven, you know, kind of like how like a shoestring would be, but so, so, so tiny, like yeah. impossible for human hands to basically do it. The interesting thing is, you know, I said that they discovered that it was leather, uh, not like calf skin or anything like that, we're talking mouse skin leather. What? Yeah, dude, which is incredible. So, you know, immediately there were you know your skeptics were coming out of the woodwork, which is to be expected. Sure. The their first thought was, oh well, it was it was like a doll shoe. The but the way that that was disproven, and this is so fascinating is that the the little shoe had a heel on the back of it right mm-hmm. um, and I'm sending this to you kind right of like now. dolls' eyes it uh it had a little heel on the back but the interesting thing is the heel was worn and the only way to do that is like by someone walking in those shoes so this is this is the shoe that you're showing me mm-hmm Dude, it's so small, man. So tiny, and if you really like look at it, like, like you can see where it's. I mean, it's, it's really pretty impressive. I mean, and again, this is in eighteen thirty-five. So, yeah, it looks like worn in. It, it's like right.
1: sitting next to a thimbles for mm-hmm. a thimble for uh, some like
0: s- sewing or knitting. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, mm-hmm. for some sort of size context. Um, mm-hmm. Like if it didn't have the thimble, it would look just like a regular shoe. Yeah, for sure. And so the yeah, so the back heel showed signs that it, um, you know, had been worn for like a long period of time. And like, um, I mean, you know how it is, listeners. You have like your favorite pair of shoes, and like for us, you know, we we toured a lot, and and you know we'd have boots, and like you know you walk a certain way, so it'll like wear a shoe like on. You know the outside of this let this shoe and like there's like little little like fingerprints of like yeah, how to wear yeah like you where know, your shoe like yeah so they would also notice that there were extra small handmade stitches all along like the back heel indicating that the shoe had been like repaired because they also like took the shoe to like you know professional like cobblers and stuff yeah. And it, you know, of course, it's all like all by hand. I mean, back then, you know, it wouldn't have been like you know machine sewn or anything. It is basically said that you know any anybody that that uh, sort of checked this thing out all came to the same conclusion that hey, this is impossible for this repair to be made by like a regular human hands. They sort of noted also that the style of the shoe was sort of a mystery because of where it was found in the Bear Peninsula, this was a type of shoe that was in fashion, but a hundred years prior. What? Dude. Yeah, and so here's where it's fascinating. The the person, the being, the whatever, whoever wore the shoe, it said they they basically couldn't be any taller than 14 inches tall, which is incredible
1: man alive
0: yeah there was another theory of course floated around by the the skeptics of the day that said well you know maybe it was made by like a cobbler's uh, you know apprentice because i guess back then it was not unheard of for uh, like an apprentice to create something that was like very unique and like pretty difficult to do to kind of show off their skills to get to get the job like an internship yeah. Kind of thing, you know. But that also doesn't really work because the location of where the shoe was found, number one, it was a rural location. that was on a sheep path, you know, where they would herd and, you know, sheep would graze. And and that's beside the main fact that the shoe had signs of being used and repainted and re and repaired. It, it, it just didn't make sense that, that if it were a thing like that, the apprentice would— Like basically recreate this shoe in a tiny tiny size, but also doing it in a completely outdated fashion. Right. You know, like it it just wouldn't make. I mean, if anything, it would be like the most modern thing, right, of the day. You know, to sort of like sell yourself or whatever.
1: And also, if you were making something new, you wouldn't make it look. Worn right, I mean, really, the only thing that would be would be like someone that was good at making small things, mm-hmm. microscopic <clears throat> sort of stitching, mm-hmm. and then just applying however you would do it a bunch of like wear marks into this thing. Just to, in other words, they would have to be going out of their way to. Mm-hmm create this scam just on the off chance that this guy was going to pass by and let me tell you i just looked up where this area is in ireland it's just slightly south from where we sort of stayed when we were there in killarney oh cool i mean really really close and i mean first off if you ever want to visit a place that just immediately feels magical and Mm, oh like something like this would happen (laughs) in this is the place dude i mean it's it's incredible i went on a run kind of close to where we were staying and i was in the woods and stuff and uh or the forest and it really did feel like you know like oh man i wonder if they're like little people yeah. watching me i don't know it was really cool it wasn't a spooky thing it just it was really yeah, yeah. it just sort of has that sort of magical but kind of I'm, like, it, like i can't wait to share this picture with folks on our instagram because yeah. this thing is fascinating
0: looking it's amazing dude Yeah, so, I mean, basically, they, you know, even these, like, professors and scientists at Harvard, as much as they wanted to sort of pass it off as something else, even they were like, I mean, this could be an actual relic of, like, an authentic, like, fairy item. You know, it's super, it's a super rare piece of, like, physical evidence that, like, whether it's a leprechaun or a brownie or a gnome or a whatever, you know, mm-hmm. any of the, like, sort of the fae spectrum, uh, something's going on. And this is, like, you know, this rare, like, physical evidence that they find. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of the, you know, back then it was, it was a little difficult to see. Like, I think, I think some researchers on this, like, they couldn't verify, like, the exact year, that Dr. Edith Somerville lectured at Harvard, she mentioned like in the university's archives, you know, some things and like, I think like some of the stuff, it, not that it didn't add up, but some of the stuff like they just couldn't find, you know. But there, it was a historian in folklore. Um, well, there's many that sort of wrote about the shoe and in there's a researcher who was writing about the south of Ireland named Thomas Crofton Croker. Uh, And he wrote in a, I think it's in a book, in 1824, he said, a paragraph recently appears in a Kilkenny paper stating that a laborer returning home in the dusk of the evening discovered a leprechaun hard at work from whom he bore away the shoe which he was mending as proof of the veracity of the story. It was further stated that the shoe lay for the inspection of the curious at the newspaper office. The most prominent features in the vulgar creed. In another book, *Letters from Irish Highlands* by Henry Blake, published in 1825, a letter in March about an incident of a peasant was walking a path at dawn, where he when he heard the sound of a hammer. Upon his investigation, found an elfin cobbler fixing his shoe on the side of a ditch. When the little cobbler realized he was discovered, he ran off, left his shoe behind. Could these earlier events be speaking of the same shoe or similar but separate occurrences? It appears that at the same time, there are no Kilkenny newspapers whose archives go as far back as 1824. So any news reporting of the shoe at the time cannot be verified. Yeah, so it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I, I do want to do an episode because there's a lot of... There's a lot of these um like little fairy artifacts. And like mm-hmm. once you start looking into it, you'll you'll start to to see more. But I just wanted to give you like a little taste of this, because man, it's just it's it's right up our alley and it's pretty fascinating, man. Yeah, man, I love that stuff. There's so many like
1: the we I mean, we do plan on and we have pl- talked about it before, like sort of diving into the the we folk. Uh, mm-hmm. lore and stuff like that and dude i'm i'm 80 percent. i'll go 70 percent sure that we did like a little sightseeing on this thing called the ring of bara i could be thinking of a another area but essentially would have been in and around this area because we did a lot of driving mm-hmm. although much to my protest because uh i don't know if i've talked about this on the show before i can't remember but As soon as we landed in in Dublin, we drove another three plus hours, well, it was supposed to be three plus hours to Killarney, but not even an hour in, I uh, turned off a road to get some coffee and didn't Hmm. find the coffee place. There's just like a symbol for coffee. I was like, oh, I could use some perking up after Mm -hmm. that long flight. And then I popped both tires on the driver's side, on a uh, trying to dodge a freaking transfer truck that. These, the roads are so small, man. It's the most nerve-wracking thing ever. And so I really tried not to drive as much as possible. I was like, you know, we'll just
0: stay in Killarney and just walk to where we – this is beautiful here. We're fine. Jeez, that's it was crazy. crazy. But anyway, I love um, that story, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. One, one last thing. So it was uh, – A cold, dark, uh, stormy night. <laughs> no, no, no. So there was a woman uh, by the name of Rosamond Burton – Uh, who published a book in 2011 called Castles, Follies, and Four-Leaf Clovers. She actually met up with Tom Somerville, the great nephew of Dr. Edith Somerville. Rosamond visited Tom in his home where he showed her the legendary leprechaun shoe. Tom explained the lore of the shoe being found in 1835 on the Barra Peninsula, and it seems that the Somerville, or I don't know if it's Somerville, Somerville, uh, the Somerville family lore around the shoe hasn't changed You know, one bit since it came into their home. So if there's a Somerville listening to
1: this show. Oh, yeah. We would love to have you on. Mm -hmm. We'd love to hop
0: on a plane if you're in Ireland and come visit you. 100%. We'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, I would kill to see this little thing, you know, this little mouse leather. Yeah, Two and a half inch shoe. You know, the... the connective tissue between both of these stories is that, let's
1: just for a second say Mm -hmm. that whoever this guy, either this guy saw someone that was just a fantastic cobbler that Mm -hmm. just happened to be perhaps a little person and, you know, human, nothing sort of... um, Well, he uh, was three foot tall. Yeah, three foot tall uh, (laughs) human. Maybe it's easier for him to cobble shoes that are smaller or whatever. But no matter what, it's like, even if it was full on scam, right? it's still amazing and impressive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And oh, I'm not trying to take away from the fact that like, man, it could have been a leprechaun. And, and you know, a, a thing that I kind of have sort of, figured in all this stuff that we talk about sometimes it's like yes are there hoaxers out there absolutely but all those hoaxes have to originate from somewhere right Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. like when you have things like folklore that goes back centuries and centuries and centuries in a culture are there people that might take advantage of that at some point absolutely Mm -hmm. but it still originated from something you know yeah and so like even if it's just the imagination of someone. And I just saw a clip of, uh, <clears throat> I think Nick Hinton was talking about it on on either a podcast or a show. I don't, I don't mm. know. I happen to hear this audio where he's talking about his new book where he talks about how, and I forget the term for it, but essentially, just like we talk about a lot, the power to create things from our own imagination. And when oh, we're like an ego Yeah, kind of when we're reading things in books and stuff in these characters and keeping those thoughts alive mm-hmm. and all of that, anyways, it's just an interesting concept. And I think no matter what, a person like William Little or, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the case of this fairy shoe or leprechaun shoe, it's just fascinating stuff, man. And, it, yeah. you know, because it happened so long ago where technology mm-hmm. wasn't... Uh as you know, it's a lot easier for me, for example, to get a really strong magnifying glass or something and use that to paint tiny details on a on a model or a right. miniature or something. Back then, you know, that stuff was one harder to come by and you know, they could they didn't have Amazon. Mm-hmm. And just that the skill set, no matter what, is
0: super impressive as well. So anyway, yeah,
1: what yeah, a cool 100%. story, dude.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I do think um, I do think that because it was in such a like a rural setting, I think that lends a little more credibility. Because, and again, it maybe it was a hoax, but it's like a really, really well done hoax. And like, it's real easy for stuff to hide
1: out there, man. Like, we were driving around mm-hmm. these mountains, and there's still sheep just oh, yeah. hanging out on these outcroppings of rock and stuff, and right. like. There's so much, in and to be such a sort of, uh, I would say relatively small in comparison to, for example, the U.S. Mm-hmm. island that Ireland was, the amount of land and stuff just seems so vast and expansive. It was yeah. just amazing. And I mean, you're talking about rocky cliff areas that things, I, I remember reading about some wee folk uh, in Ireland, but also like in Italy and stuff, in the rocky areas said to like live in, the caves and stuff there. So, oh, yeah. There's just all kinds of opportunity for, you know, things
0: to exist. Oh, yeah, 100%. And if you live in a place where you have stories of uh, of little people or hidden folk, we'd love to hear about it. Hit us up on Instagram, drop us a line in, in the comments of the episode, or shoot us a DM if it's a more long form thing with a little more detail and you feel more comfortable uh, just. Sending it as a full email, uh, send it to that would be radpod at gmail.com. What we would love is, uh, or what we really love, even more so than like when you guys write in, is uh, if you would like to just tell your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do that at that would be radpodcast.com, uh, where you can directly leave an audio file of your story. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, maybe an urban legend in your area, more localized stuff that that the rest of the world may not have heard of yet. Those are the that's our bread and butter. That's the stuff that we absolutely love because you know we love the big the big stories. Your Mothman, your yeah. you know Patterson, Gimlin, Bigfoot. We love that stuff, but what we really love are those super super localized, under the radar stories, urban legends, cryptic, yeah. what, what have you. That's like the gravy to our biscuit, you know? Oh, I mean? yeah. It it for sure is. Or the sugar to our grits. There you go. Um, we're Southern, so that's... Now, hold on a second now. You can't say that. Dude, I don't put sugar in my grits. Oh, my grandmother used to always do it. Well, I will say, like, my grandmas are great about just, like, throwing sugar on everything. <laughs> yeah, that is true. You know? my My grandmother used to make like cheese toast with mm. sugar on the top. Oh, yeah. Well, now, I have
1: had that. And you want to know what else? There's two types of people in this world, Tyler. There's people mm. that think there's enough sugar that comes in the Kool-Aid packet, and there's people like oh, no. I like our folks that just can't ever have enough. Yeah. They just keep on adding sugar to it.
0: Oh, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've ever, whether it was my mom or my grandmother, I don't think I ever had Kool-Aid Without adding, like, uh, yeah, if your cheeks don't massive. lock up, you know, what I'm <laughs> yeah. talking about like right at the jaw area, yeah, they don't right.
1: lock up after that first sip because mm-hmm. it's just so sweet. If your teeth aren't hurting, yeah, or you your teeth that- feel fuzzy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after being over at your grandma's, then you're just oh, yeah. not,
0: you're not from down here, man. Yeah, yeah, you're not living, but yeah, send us a message, send us your story, send us your urban legends. We'd love to hear about it, and uh, we always try to say also go out and tell a single friend about the show. It makes a world of difference. Uh, and many of you have already done that. Yep. And, you know, we hear about that stuff. And it's just, it's awesome. Uh, because, you know, that like word of mouth uh, kind of passing us along, you know, it's kind of an old school thing, but it works.
1: Yeah, uh, And, and so, not
0: only does it give us more listens, but really
1: what we love the most out of it all is it just makes the world that much smaller. Like being able to hear from people... Right all over the world and just being like, hey guys, really love the show. Not only does it just, you know, make us feel amazing, but Mm -hmm. it's like, now we have a friend in Massachusetts or Mm -hmm. Australia or Tasmania or Malaysia or,
0: you know, wherever it is. Which still blows my mind. It's incredible, man. And it's just, we love hearing from you folks. Yeah. Follow our link tree on Instagram. Go listen to us on whatever podcatcher you prefer. Leave us a five-star review over on the Apple podcast. That makes a big difference. Over on Spotify, buy us a coffee, buy some merch. Um, I guess that's about it. Anything else? I think that's it. I'm in the mood for some Kool-Aid, man. Yeah, me too. I'm ready for my teeth to be fuzzy today. <laughs> well, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way you go. The, I understood going in like the, 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 uh, obstacles yeah. they had because, you know, obviously yeah. Chadwick Boseman died, all that. But it kind of sucks because it's like, it feels like there's like a, a, which is to be expected. There's sort of a shadow over the whole movie. So there's like this sort of sad melancholic yeah. kind of like thing, which is, I yeah. get it, but, I, but I feel like they didn't. Um, they didn't actually get into like him passing. Really, like the as, whole as like as, the whole trailer is like a, a funeral procession. Uh, well, it it's it's hard to explain because it is, but then it isn't at the same time. Huh. It's it's bizarre. It's uh, I don't know. I just I do gotta say this. I think there's a new character. Okay, who is a character. Um, I mean say what you will, but this character, much like America Chavez or whatever from Multiverse of Madness, was a uh, totally bombed in the comics. So it's like you know from a even just from like a business standpoint, it's like hey, we have an entire universe of these characters mm-hmm. that are amazing, have been fan favorites for literally 60 70 years and they just keep putting these characters and I'm sorry but it's like it is for the sake of like diversity mm. and like whatever. And so like y- you're telling me that the late, the Wakanda, of diversity that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. Uh but it's it's like like for perfectly done like Miles Morales mm. Spider-Man yeah. d- diverse uh but the way that they like handled him, the way they sort of flipped it, so it's like, oh, well it's like his mom's Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. his dad's black. And he's a cop. He's in New York. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he's a well, cop. Brooklyn, he goes to, and he, he, Miles, goes to like a private like science school. Mm-hmm. It's, it wasn't like the typical, like, oh, it's an inner city kid without a dad. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, this is just like... We're supposed to believe that suddenly there's a girl. Come on man. Who's don't smarter. yeah, but don't tell
1: me anything else. That's it.
0: Oh, and I th- thought you, I thought you kind of knew about it. No, this, I don't man. know anything about it. Well, she sucks. So. Mm, yeah. That was an awesome that was show, fun, dude. That was fun. Those stories that, like I love those kind of things, man. What's you know? funny is I had two different stories that I was possibly going to bring up. And as soon as you said your guy was from Ireland, I was like, "Oh, well, there's Yeah, okay. oh, man. How is. cool is that? Yeah. We got to go back. I got to go back to Ireland, dude. Dude, I would love... That's like Ireland and like Scotland are like... I'm not joking, dude. There's this like cloud cover
1: as the plane's landing. Just after we got underneath the clouds where you could see, it was like... I can't even explain how like like emerald it was, dude. It was the greenest green. It's just the magical... Like no joke. I'm not joking around. Yes, I could live in Italy, but I think it would get on my nerves. The beep, 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 you know... Dude, Italy, Rome is the hottest. Oh place yeah, no man. I've ever been. But uh, Ireland, man, yeah, incredible. You'd be too cold there, but me and Courtney would like it. Is, does it get really cold? It's I weird, mean, I the- dude. The weather swings like left and right within the same day. Yeah, you just have to pack like layers, man. And all the people, dude. My gosh, dude. Uh, oh, it's it's just incredible. Anyways, I got to run. Yeah, dude. Me too. Well, hey, man. Safe travels, dude.
0: Oh, thanks, pal.